0: What is the correct way of drafting disciplinary charges? This is Stuff Employers Should Know. Welcome to Stuff Employers Should Know. Proudly brought to you by LaborNet, management's ultimate HR solution. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Barry Gordon-Davis, and across from me, keeping my mic levels in check, is the all-encompassing, yes, yes, like it, Ismail, whose mic's on mute today. I'm going to be doing a bit of a monologue on a very, very short but sweet episode of Stuff Employers Should Know. Uh, one thing that we've been finding is that a lot of employers, with the moment they uh, are faced with a scenario of having to draft charges for an employee who is going to be attending a disciplinary inquiry, Um, find it actually quite difficult. In principle, the drafting of a charge may seem quite easy, but in application, it's actually very difficult. Uh, So the purpose of today's podcast is really just to give a, uh, let's say, a little bit of input as to what to be considered in, in drafting the charge, and then a secret recipe or a formula that you can then use to then draft charges going forward. So first things first, we have to say that when it comes to the drafting of a charge, the the whole purpose of that charge, and I know that I have spoken about the actual notice with all the rights and all that. Today we're focusing specifically on the actual charge itself or what the employer is alleging the employee has done in terms of misconduct and the like. The first thing that we want to talk about is the fact that it is sufficient particularity that is required. Sufficient particularity means not too much, not too little, enough that you can give the employee a proper and appropriate view of what they are actually being charged with. So the three elements would be the nature of the charge or your label or um, the, the excerpt from the disciplinary code, the date or period on which that is alleged to have occurred and then a brief description of it. If you go and write a novel Starting with, it was a bright and sunny day on June the 5th, where the person then was absent without permission. You now need to then go and prove all those elements. You're not creating elements of the charge that you're going to have to then go and prove. You want to keep it to the specifics of what you are alleging the person to have done. What is the problem? When did it occur? And a brief description of it. Because as I say, and I reiterate this, the more you add to the charge, the likelihood of having to prove more elements that are actually not even related to the charge itself that are just there to 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 add to it a lot of times employers will go and add to the charge specifically aggravating circumstances so they'll say You were absent without permission in that on a particular day, you were absent without uh, the required authorization, which caused A, B, C, D, um, brought the company's name into disrepute, left people without somebody to speak to. Um, The employer had to find a replacement and da 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 and this is seen as unacceptable behavior and goes against. Then you have to go and prove all those aspects, go prove the different areas of it, provide documentary evidence, where at the end of the day, You want to charge this person with being absent on a particular day, which is a violation of your disciplinary code that can be referenced. Another aspect as well, you can call it the shotgun approach, which is where an employer will go and charge somebody with misconduct. We need to go and narrow down what the actual behavior or conduct that we consider to be unacceptable is. What particularly about their behavior was unacceptable? So if you go and you say gross misconduct, in what way was my conduct gross in what way am I? Um, was my conduct unacceptable? So you have to go and give that a label, and that label sometimes gets done with a description. But the best way to do it is look at a disciplinary code. If your disciplinary code has categories of offences, i.e., let's say work related, time related, um, obedience related, uh, you know, if it's insubordination, it's in a very different category to let's say time related, which is late coming, unauthorized absence, and the like. But refer to the the charge as. Unauthorized absence, which is the nature of the misconduct, Uh, and specifically when it comes to unauthorized absence, it's imperative that you then go and give the period or the days in particular that the person was absent or alleged to be absent from work. When it comes to other offenses, where it's, let's say, negligence over a period of time, specifics to the actual um, charge you want to go and then give a description as to when it was it was very easy for an employee or an accused party in this manner to go and say you are alleging that I was negligent but in relation to when and what so you want to always put in the period whether the period is a specific period or whether it is between then or then but if you give a broader period, your description should then have a little bit more particulars as to what you're then referring to. So if it's negligence with regards to, let's say, a specific invoice that was invoiced during a period of time, um, you want to say that this particular invoice, j 51 ever that was invoiced you know, between the periods of, let's say, April or May so that the you can then go and prove that this person had reasonable expectation to know exactly what you are then referring to when you're saying that that was the particular invoice that was negligently created or the like. So that leaves me with a summary of what is the formula. The best way to do it is to look at the label of the offense, i.e. time-related or, as I said, obedience-related, or let's say, um, let's say if it's a substance abuse-related, in that on a specific day, that's your period, you did, and then a brief description of what they did. That's the formula. The label in that on the date, you, and a brief description of it. Simple, quick, and easy. Nothing more, nothing less, but enough that a third party that is presiding, a chairperson, commissioner, and the like, will be able to ascertain that the person has correctly or is aware of what they are actually being charged for with the sufficient particularities. So that's it for this very specific particular episode of Stuff Employers Should Know. As always, if you want to get in touch, um, suggest topics, or just say hi, Fire off an email to sesk at labornet.com or you can find us on any of the major social media platforms. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast or on whichever platform you actually use to listen to podcasts. Give us a rating. Also, give us a review. We read all of them and it really means a lot to us. So from me, BGD, and a very quiet yes in the background, uh, till next week, cheers. Stuff Employers Should Know was proudly brought to you by LabourNet, management's ultimate HR solution. For more episodes from Stuff Employers Should Know, go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you play your favorite shows. Case law or statutes referenced in the podcast are current at the time of recording.